part two of Jennifer Ketty Journey. Welcome to Nine Point Started With A Dream podcast. Our goal is to showcase the stories of athletes and the community that supports them by being authentic about their journey. Here's your host, Jacoby Gillum. So when when did everything kind of change for you? Hmm. Golly, it's weird to think about now. I forget that that was my life. Let's circle back once upon a time. So went to Germany. A week later, I was in the Philippines. And that summer is when things started to feel weird. Like I was having a lot of stomach. I mean, not a lot. It was very secret, actually. Like things you wouldn't think about. Like I would have bloating or like a stomach ache. And it was that summer, 2017, um, that I started to feel weird. So when I was in the Philippines and then got home for a month, hung out with my family and friends, and then I was off to Wiesbaden, in Germany. And I started to notice like little things, but I didn't, again, I didn't think anything of it. Like... I was going to the bathroom way more than I was before, but I thought that was because I just drank so much water. Um, Stomach issues again, like bloating or, you know, having a stomach ache. Um, Just thought it was change in in diet, change in food. Um, And yeah, I think the, the first time I really should have probably gone to the doctor was when I peed my pants. Um, again, sorry, authentic. Sorry, if it's oh, yeah. TMI. No, you're good. It's your story. I literally, I was on a date with my actually now boyfriend, and we were in Germany. That's where we met. We were in Germany on a date in October, and yeah, I literally, I have like had to go to the bathroom, and so I went to the bathroom, and I had already like peed my pants, and I was like, what the heck? Like, how did that even happen? And um. That's probably when I should have been like, hmm, something's not right. I just beat my pants and I'm 26. <laughs> like, that's probably not healthy. Um, How was so, the date, though? Was a good date? Yeah, we had pizza, and I never <laughs> eat pizza. We, oh, we had pizza, and we went and saw the movie It. Okay, and then cool. I really peed my pants. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but, um, so, yeah, that was, like, probably the first time I should have gone to the doctor and then I started like my body just started shutting down almost during that season it was like in November and uh, let's see what started I started having shoulder issues um, but not just shoulder issues it was like my body like my hips started hurting like my my knees started hurting my shoulder um I was like what's going on like I just assumed it was from playing and then after that, I got sick and I was never getting better. Like it was just like a cold, but it was a really bad cold. Like I was coughing and it was just like a deep coughing. Yeah. And then my stomach got really bad to where I was like not pooping like a normal person. And I was like so bloated and it was, it was like the end of November, my coach, finally, I was like not playing. Like, he was like, you need to rest. Like, you need to get better. So I stopped playing for, like, two weeks. And my stomach was, like, it was insane. But it wasn't until December 16th, 15th, something around there, we had, like, our Christmas dinner or Christmas brunch. And I wore, like, this mini skirt 
and this funny Santa sweater, but like I put the mini skirt on and it's tight and I looked pregnant, but I'd never noticed it before because I'm like wearing loose sports clothing and whatever. Um, and I looked pregnant. I was like, what the heck? Um, but there were some other things before that where like I touched my stomach one day and it felt really hard. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have abs now. What a joke. Was not abs. Um, but yeah, so I looked pregnant and my teammate was like, Jenny, like you need to go to the doctor. Like she even said, she was like, something is like, something's not right. And we all like noticed it a, a little bit ago, but we didn't want to say anything because we thought you were just gaining weight. And I was like, okay, thanks a lot. Like you should have told me like, cause I didn't notice. Um, but yeah, so that next, so we had brunch on Sunday that next Monday I went to the doctor and I just was like, crap, I'm pregnant. Like what is happening? So go to the doctor she does this horrible procedure with a stick and that's all I'll say about that. And afterward she, and she didn't speak English. Um, she had someone translating, but all I understood was like, she was like, kind baby, kind baby, like sugro, sugros, which means like no baby really big. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. So I was like, in shock at that point like I wasn't pregnant but she was like you have a huge tumor like it's so big I don't even know where it is in your body oh wow and I was just like what and then she goes but it could be a good tumor like not all tumors are bad and I was just like in my head like what do you mean it could be a good tumor like no tumor is good but of course there's the benign tumors that you know aren't an issue so she tells me it could be a good tumor but we're gonna get tests done so then that next day, I went and I got a CT scan and my friend was visiting. So she, thank God she was with me. But um, so went and got my CT scan and we went back to the doctor's office and we sat there. We were just sitting in the waiting room, what felt like literally an hour. Um, and I'm just like sitting there, like just found out I have a tumor. I have my results now. Like, what is this? Like, Yeah. Anyway, it was just like crazy emotions going through my mind. And my friend was there. She didn't really know like how to handle it though. Like she was like, I'm here. Like if you, you know, like that's just like a, a bomb just like dropped on me. And um, so then she, yeah, looks at the results. I go in there and there's two doctors in there. So she had ran up to a different doctor that speaks English to, you know, so as soon as I walk in, I look at their faces and I know it's cancer um just from the look on their face so I sit down and they tell me okay um they tell me where the tumor is they tell me it's on my ovary on my right ovary and it's huge like they need to get it out now um and then they were telling me like yeah they were going through like we need to get more results um we you know you can do chemo here like just it went from like pregnant to tumor to I'm doing chemotherapy at 26 like it was just like all in less than 24 hours and it was like it was insane like I didn't it didn't really register to me but it did at the same time and um 
yeah, it was just, sorry, I'm like flashing back. I'm like trying to get all the emotions that I had, but it was really just like, I was in total shock. Like, and then they told me like, we need to get this out now. So I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, like cut me open right here. I don't even need anesthesia. Like, let's get this out of my body. And they told me the doctor's not gonna be back until middle of January. And so they were like, yeah, it'll be a month before you can have it removed. And I was like, what? Like, oh, wow. you just said this needs to come out now. And now I have to wait because doctors are on vacation. Um, so that was like, and then as soon as that happened, obviously I'm reaching out to my family and the big discussion was, do I stay in Germany and have this all done because I have insurance or do I go home where my family and friends are and where I can be in like the comfort and my mom can take care, you know, my mom, yeah. she like was freaking out, wanted to take care of me, but they, you know, in the end, they told me it's your decision. Like, we'll come out to Germany when we can, but I mean, you have, ins- you have insurance there, you know, um, in the end I decided everything just lined up perfectly where I was talking to my mom and my insurance didn't end because I was 26 my insurance didn't end until the end of the year. And she was like, okay, let's see if we can get you a surgery. They call the doctor. They can get me into surgery on the 26th. I was like, okay, well, can I get a flight home in time? Because now I think it's the 18th or 19th. And they were like, Jenny, there's a flight on the 21st. There's one seat left on the plane. And I was like, that's a sign. That's for sure a sign. So I fly home. Like this was in like less than a week. All of this happened. Um, So I fly home. I'm in California for about two days and then I fly to Montana and on Christmas I drive to Billings, Montana, which was like a five hour drive from my home. And yeah, then I was supposed to have surgery at 10 a.m. on the 26th. So I wake up and I'm sorry, am I talking too much? It's a really long story. No, no, like I'm, I'm all ears. So yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, Yeah, so morning of the 26th, wake up at 7 a.m. with my mom to go to the doctor. Like, I don't know. The surgeon doesn't know me. I don't know him. He just saw my scans and he was like, okay, like, this is an emergency. So go there, check in. He does an exam, which, oh my gosh. If I'm being completely honest, anyway. No, that's too much information. I'm sorry. You're right. No, so, no, you, <laughs> no one wants to hear this. Don't, don't, don't hold back. It's all good. He does an exam and then he does a surprise exam. Or Anyway, okay, I'm just going to say it because it's part of the story and it's like kind of funny. Don't know him. Does an exam. Then he does an exam where he sticks his finger up my butt and I did not expect it. And I was like, okay, that's good. And afterwards... Um, he was like, okay, um, we're going to take more scans and t- more blood tests because there's definitely something wrong in there. And I was like, okay, well, like, do you want to get married now? Like, and he laughed. So that was good. He had a sense of humor, yeah. but, um, yeah, it was just like, it was crazy. Like, <laughs> just, happening, you're like ah. yeah, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm just like here for you guys to mess around with. Um, but yeah, so he does the exam. Then he tells me to go get a CT scan and blood results. So I go do that. And at this point, the surgery is postponed because they don't know what kind of cancer it is. It could have been lymphoma. It could have been um, ovarian. And he was like, 
for first when I walked in there, he was like, we're not sure it's cancer. You know, we can't tell from the scans because the scans from Germany, like we can't really read them on our computer. So let's go get a different scan, get the scan, come back. He tells me, okay, it's cancer. And um, I remember saying to him when he told me it might not be cancer, I remember saying to him like, look, I've already accepted that I have cancer. So please don't tell me that I don't have cancer, that I might not have cancer because then I'm going to go back and, you know, I don't want to have empty hope. Like I'm the type of person that I'm going to expect the worst and be prepared for it Mm -hmm. mentally. And then if it is better than I expected, that's great. But I told him, I said, please don't tell me I don't have cancer until you know 100%. He was like, okay, I respect where you are. That's a really healthy place to be because a lot of people come in and they're like, I don't have cancer. And then they do have cancer and it's like a horrible thing. So yeah, um, get the scan, come back. He tells me, okay, so it is cancer, um, but it could be lymphoma, which would be good. Then we just, you know, do some chemotherapy and that's fine. Um, And, you know, there's obviously more to it, but like, this would be good. Then we don't have to do surgery. And then he goes, or it could be ovarian, which is not a good, you know, that's a tough, that's a tough cancer to have. Um, And he was like, and I was like, or my mom said, which one do we hope for? And he says, definitely lymphoma. So I go get the biopsy. um, I go get blood tests. I come back later and I don't know what time it is now. It's like 3 p.m., I think. So I go in there and he says, okay, it's ovarian. But we're not sure what type of ovarian cancer it is. Oh, there's more than one person. Yeah. Um, and of course, so he said, it's just everything. It's just everything. I'm just knocked out, knocked down. Like maybe it's not cancer. Maybe it's not ovarian. Oh, okay. It's ovarian. Uh, mm-hmm. Shoot. So now we're for sure doing the surgery, but maybe we can shrink it. Maybe we can do chemo first and shrink it. So it's not such an invasive surgery. Um, I was like, yeah. okay, so now we're hoping for chemo first. And so I go in the pre-op. And I'm sitting there, it's like 5 p.m. I think now at this point. And he's consulting with all of his friend physicians to see like what the best plan of attack is here. Like, okay, we're like, then he finds out it's dysgerminoma, which is a super rare form of cancer, but it responds well to chemo. So maybe we can do chemotherapy first and get rid of most of it and then do a small surgery to get rid of the rest. So again, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Finally they figure out, okay, we have to do surgery. And so it was just like a whole day at this point, it was like, I think it was 8 PM finally. Um, so it was a pretty much a whole day of just like roller coaster emotions. Like let's hope for this. Oh no, let's now hope for something else. Oh crap. Let's hope for something else. Like we're going to have a win here. Like let's just keep hoping for something. And every time it was like, worst case scenario for my situation so during this whole time what what just helped you keep that that mindset and you know that that i'm, I'm just not I'm, I'm going to fight this that i'm not giving up and everything what helped you keep going what, just, what, gave, or, what gave you that oh my gosh honestly i think i blacked out <laughs> yeah. that whole day was just like yeah it was insane i don't I mean, for sure, my faith. Um, I'm very strong. Like, I didn't know how strong I was in my faith, but that whole thing starting in Germany, 
was definitely a God thing for me. Um, there's no way I could have done it without my faith. Like thinking about it now, like my emotions that I had, how calm I was, like, I have no idea how I did it. And that's, that's my only explanation was like, I just had complete faith in that, that he was gonna get you the through. process. Yeah. That I was going to get through it. And there were some days where I was like, what the F is going on? Like, how did this happen? How is this my life now? Um, but it, it all happened so fast that I almost didn't have time to think like that. Like I was having to like strategically plan and like figure things out. Like there was no time for me to like freak out and be emotional. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, for sure was my faith that got me through that. And also, you know, like they say that the people going through cancer aren't the ones that are actually going through it. It's the people around them that are going through it. And I, 100% experienced that because I like felt bad for my family to have to like watch me go through this and that, like realizing how helpless they were like my mom and my dad like there was literally nothing they could do to like take this away from me like this was my journey and my struggle and for them to have to accept that was probably like the hardest thing for me to realize and like have to watch like I don't have kids now but just like seeing that and like they feel helpless in a sense yeah, like, I mean, and I felt helpless too, but I already accepted that, like, there was nothing I could do about it. And that's probably why I did well, considering is because I had the mindset of, this is out of my control, and I'm going to control things that I can control, which is my emotions, how I approach this situation. Like, those are all things that I can handle. Like, the fact that I have cancer, I can't change that. Um, so I'm just gonna do what I can, you know, I'm not gonna let this take away my like humor and my personality and my light. I'm going to just, I'm going to keep doing me and I'm going to do whatever I can to beat it. But in the end, it's completely out of my control. Um, so yeah, there was just a lot of, it was a lot of like me letting myself go downhill emotionally and then realizing that I'm doing it and then like getting my crap together, like mentally. Um, and what's crazy is like those experiences I had in college of injuries, I feel like 100% prepared me for that, um, for okay. the whole cancer journey. I, I was reading this book by, by, by David Goggins and it's, and it's almost like you were kind of catalyst, catalyst, catalyst in your mind, right? So yeah. all, all of those injuries kind of like built a catalyst for you to kind of endure pain and just bounce back and just yeah. come like, Hey, what's next? I got this. Yes. Yeah. And like, <laughs> it just makes you realize like I'm going through cancer now and chemotherapy, right? I've just been diagnosed, um, but I'm going to have to do chemo. And I was like, I like had a flashback where I thought those injuries were the end of the world. Like I thought they were the biggest deal. And like me not being able to play volleyball anymore was like the end of my life. What am I going to do? And then I just like had to laugh about how minute those things were like in the big picture but it takes me like getting diagnosed with ovarian cancer to be like hmm, maybe that wasn't so bad <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you know um but, but so, yeah that go ahead no no so, so ultimately you know you did the chemo and we had a, we had a great surgery correct and surgery went well I didn't realize though like I I feel like I didn't know anything they just kind of 
So before surgery, they're like, okay, Jen, we might have to take everything out. You might wake up in menopause. And I was just like, like, I've never thought about having kids before. And I never was like, I want kids. Like a lot of times, in fact, I was like, I don't want kids. But for someone to like, just take that away from you and you not even have a choice was like, I've never been so hysterical in my life when they told like my gynecologist from the States told me that that might happen or that she said that's probably going to happen. And I like lost my mind. Like I've never cried like that or been like that in my entire life. Um, But just to like hear that you don't have that choice was like horrible. Um, And so I kind of already mentally prepared for that. And um, so going into the surgery, yeah, so he says that, and my dad's on the phone, he's in California, he's on the phone, and he's talking to the doctor about, you know, like, can we save eggs? And the doctor says, well, if it's to the point where we have to remove it, there's no eggs to save. Mm-hmm. And um, so my mom, I'll never forget this, it was like, yeah, my mom says to my dad, okay, like, she's about to go into surgery, do you have anything that you want to say? And there's a long pause. And at this point I had been doing pretty well as far as like the tears go. Like I would start to tear up and I'd be like, no, I can't cry. And my mom would be like, no, like you can cry. You don't need to be strong. And I'd be like, no, I'm not. <laughs> like, I was so like stubborn, whatever. Um, but yeah, so my dad, he starts choking up and can barely speak. And he says like, I love you. We're all here for you. Um, and of course, you know, your dad starts crying and I just started crying. I like couldn't even talk either. It was like one of those when the kids get so worked up that they're like, <laughs> they're like, can't speak. Like that's what I was doing. Um, and yeah, so went into surgery, woke up and the doctor, I don't remember anything because I was on so many drugs, but I just wake up and he puts his hand on my leg and he's like, well, you still got an ovary and a uterus. And I just remember being like, eh, like smiling. Like, <laughs> um, so yeah, had a good surgery and then went up to the hospital room and I stayed there for about two days. I was just so stubborn. I told them the next morning, I was like, when can I go home? Get me off the pain meds. So they slowly started taking me off the epidural that I got. And yeah, I went home, I think in two days my scar is probably like that long. It's like probably a foot long. Um, but yeah, so good surgery. And I just wanted to get things going. Like I started chemotherapy two weeks later. They said I needed recovery time because obviously I have a huge scar and incision on my stomach. And, you know, you start chemo, you're probably going to throw up a couple times and that's not good for my incision. Mm-hmm. and um, also the immune system issue. My incision would still be wide open, you know, ready for an, any infection to come in. So they want to give you like a two-week break. So I did the two-week break, and then I started chemo, and that was a whole nother journey. <laughs> That's the journey. So so once you you got past the surgery and you were like, I'm, I'm past this this phase of this journey, what was it was it ever in your mind of you know like like how to how to how to direct my life look no honestly that point I was like the only thing that was on my mind was just like being alive like my I have one job 
and that's to stay alive. Like it goes back, goes back to your, your teammate. You, Jenny, you have one job. Yeah, Jenny, you have one job. And I was like, I literally was like, Jenny, you have one job, and that is to be alive. That is to do chemo. Like that's this is the part of your life, and that's all you need to focus on. And um, so that's what I did. I was just like taking chemo one day at a time. I had no idea what to expect other than losing my hair and throwing up all the time. Like that's what I knew about chemo. Um, but yeah, I just would go and I was so determined to not let cancer and chemotherapy like dictate what I did and like the choices I made and like who I was. So I, um, I worked out every day. I did what I could, you know, some days I couldn't do that much, but other days I was in there on the treadmill. I was doing heavy lifting. Like it was great. I felt great. But, um, I still, I mean, I couldn't do what I normally could because I had an incision. I couldn't, you know, be too intense. And that was hard for me mentally too. And that was a whole nother thing. Oh my gosh. Now that I'm like going back to my feelings, I'm like, golly. Um, But yeah, I mean, I was just so determined to not let it affect me and like ruin who I was. Even like the whole hair thing, my first, when they first told me I had cancer, the saddest thing was I literally immediately was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my hair. And it took me like a minute to realize what you're going to lose your hair because you're trying to like stay alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that is the least of your worries. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up doing all this crazy stuff to my hair that I would never do before because I figured, you know, I might as well, like, why not have a little fun with it? So I like, my hair was down to like my butt almost and it was just completely curly. And then all of a sudden I cut it to about my shoulders. I shaved one side to be like a ninja or whatever I was doing. And then I dyed it all these crazy colors. And then as soon as it started falling out, I shaved my head. And then from there, I just went to, you know, a buzz cut to absolutely no hair at all. Like zero. Um, so that was, yeah, it was insane, but I never lost my eyebrows or eyelash though. They were on fleek. They were, yeah, they were super fleeky. My (laughs) eyelashes were insane actually. And they did end up falling out, but it wasn't until I was done with chemo that they Mm -hmm. fell out. But yeah. So, so for, so how did this whole, how did the whole process, like, because I, I I don't know a lot about the whole cancer process. So how so how did how did it overall like get resolved? Or how did the overall just get you know all cancer without you and such? Um. Well, I had amazing doctors and nurses. That was like, yeah, it blows my mind to this day. Still, like what the surgeon did for me that in one day that in Germany it was going to take them a month and a half to do tests and everything that my surgeon did in one day. Um, so that was amazing. And, you know, I didn't realize it, but I had like stage three C ovarian cancer, which if it would have been in my lungs, it's stage four. So I pretty much had stage four cancer and I didn't realize that until like two weeks into chemotherapy. And I didn't realize how dangerous my surgery was until like two weeks into chemotherapy. And then they told me all of this and I was like, how did I not know? Mm-hmm. Um, but they just, I mean, my chemo was heavy. I had, I didn't have any weeks where I wasn't doing chemo. I had 
I had weeks where I was Monday through Friday for five hours a day doing chemo. And then the next week I would have one day where I did chemo. And then the next week I'd have one day that I did chemo. And then the next week it was right back to five days. Um, so it wasn't like a, I mean, it wasn't a easy regimen, that's for sure. But they told me at the beginning when we were talking about chemo, they said, you know, like this is going to be intense, but I mean, we're trying to kill this thing. You're young. You can handle it. Like, and I was like, let's do this. Like, I'm trying to get rid of this too. Like, let's, can we do it right now? Help me Um, help you. Yeah. And it was like, (laughs) during chemo, I would like on my off days, like my weeks when I just had one day a week, I almost was like, can I just go in and get some extra chemo? Like, can I just like get rid of this? (laughs) But I mean, it definitely taught me patience because you know you want something now but yeah that wasn't how it worked um but I mean the chemo was intense I had a lot of crazy side effects that people normally don't get but I was the rare golden child throughout this whole process they called me because I just got the really rare side effects that are life-threatening um I didn't throw up any but I did get blood clots and neutropenic fevers and severe allergic reaction. Yeah. Oh my God. It was crazy. But yeah. And then it just, at the end of my chemo, I was blessed to, you know, they told me, yeah, your cancer is gone, but you, and here's another, yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm talking so long, but there's just so much that happened. I think like, like people are gonna hear your story and they're gonna to make them keep fighting because oh cause, yeah because it's just like because you're, you're you're standing each thing there was, there was another hurdle you know there was the side effects there was you know the doctors in Germany and they had to fly home you had to find a flight you had to do it X Y Z and I think like people just be able to hear that someone said I'm not giving up you know I'm not gonna let yeah. this thing beat me so I think I, yeah I love your story. Well, it was, yeah, it was constant, like getting punched right in the face, knocked out, laying on the ground for five minutes and then having to like stand back up and figure out where I'm at now. Um, Because after I finished chemo, they tell me I need surgery to remove my, to remove the, you know, the tumor that's left, which was benign, they said, Um, a benign teratoma, which a teratoma, I learned a lot actually through this process. But a teratoma is a tumor that has like the teeth and like the hair and stuff in it. It's like oh. a little person. And I have that to this day. But I saw a picture of one of those on Facebook and I was like, oh, that's like a person. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot I had it still, but anyway, it's still yeah. in my body. But so they tell me I need to get surgery to remove that. I'm like, okay, cool. Like I've already been through the ringer. What's another surgery? And then it was just again like knocked down we can't do the surgery it's way too dangerous um because of where it was and so billings people couldn't do it and that was just another thing where i just wanted to be done you know like i just wanted to be done and i had been i felt like i had been so strong throughout the whole thing and i just was taking punches like why couldn't i have a win i remember hearing that news and like sitting by myself in my house or at my house in Montana. And just like, I remember saying to God, like, if you're going to kill me, just do it already. Like, I remember saying that. And then like, 
obviously I was like, okay, like actually, <laughs> sorry, like I'm back. I just needed to get that off my chest, you know, like, um, and then my stepdad, he came out to me and was like, you know what, maybe this is God saying you don't need the surgery. Like it's too dangerous. You don't need it. Just like leave it alone. And I was like, well, why doesn't he just tell me? Like, I was just so pissed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that whole process was about a month of people trying, or my surgeon in Billings trying to find someone to do my surgery. First, it was, okay, let's go to USC. They have really good surgeons. They wouldn't do it. UC Davis, they wouldn't do it. Uh, school, uh, Colorado, they wouldn't do it. Okay, well, I guess I can try to do it. You know, my Billings, my surgeon was desperate. Like, no one was going to do this. And he was like, okay, like I can try to do it. Like I'll try to find a team to put together. Maybe I can fly someone here. Like maybe we can do this. And I just was like, okay, like that's great. I'm familiar with you. And then it was again, no, I can't do this. Which thank God that he had the guts to say, I am not able to do this surgery, Mm -hmm. you know? Cause some people would be like, let's try it. Like challenge accepted, you know? And like, okay, if you don't feel comfortable doing it, like, let's just admit that and find someone who can do it. Finally, it's Seattle. There's an amazing surgeon there, amazing doctors. They send my scans over and they tell me, oh, you don't need it. And I was like, what? I was almost mad that they said you don't need it because after a month of trying to figure out who's going to do my surgery and like emotionally just being like, no one's going to do this surgery and I'm going to die. <sighs> yeah. They tell me, you know, yeah, you don't need it. It looks like it's benign and the risk of the surgery outweighs the reward. So let's just keep an eye on it. And that was that, like, that was that literally that was the end of that and I was like I was pissed (laughs) I was I was I was mad when they said that to me I'll be honest and then it like took like my dad was like you're done like you don't need another surgery that's amazing and um obviously in the end I was very thankful that I didn't need a surgery but it just then was all of a sudden like okay like now you just need checkups every two months And after about six months of doing that, you're just going to need checkups every four months. And then eventually you won't need checkups at all. Um, And that's, yeah, that's kind of where I was at. And that was in May, finally, when they decided that, okay, it looks like you're healthy and time to move on. Time to just, you know, yeah, it just was so abrupt. Everything was so abrupt in my entire and that was May with 2018? Yes. May 2018. And I mean, I, I realize, you know, like I'm extremely blessed and lucky to have experienced it how I did. Like people have it a lot worse than I do. And mm-hmm. that my whole time during my treatment, during my surgery, it's like some people go in and they have zero hope. Like they don't have the option of chemo because it's so bad, you know, like, And that also is something that kept me going is like, it could be so much worse than it is. And I knew that I, you know, my whole journey, I was like, I didn't want it to be for nothing. Like I I knew that I was going through this for some reason, whether it was to teach me a lesson, you know, Um, and that sounds so harsh, but like, 
maybe there was something bigger out there for me. Like I'm learning in this process. Maybe I'm inspiring others. I'm motivating others through this process. Um, and yeah, so I learned a lot from what I went through and I'm weirdly grateful, <laughs> you know, like, and, and, and then I, yeah. And, and just, so really it's just like, I, I need to point now where it's like, what can I overcome? What can't I overcome? Yeah. I'm like, I'm a warrior. Yeah. Holy cow. Like throw something at me and I'll laugh and like One take it on. Stuff. Yeah. Like shoot. So, um, what, what phase you said, I want to play again. Oh, the whole time. So the whole time during chemo, I was determined to play volleyball again. And at first it was like, I'm playing volleyball in April in the Philippines. And then I realized that's not realistic because I'm still doing chemo. So we're going to have to push it back a little bit. And yeah, it was just after I was done, after I was done with chemo and with everything, I was like, okay, come August, I want to play again. Like, let's do this. Obviously it was a little pushed back and I didn't start playing until December, but I was able to play again and a team wanted me and it was, yeah. So, I mean, that was my goal. That was like the light at the end of the tunnel was, you know, playing volleyball again and finishing that season wherever it would be. Um, finishing that last season was like my goal. And that's what kept me like working out and training and like doing all of these things during chemo. So yeah. Man, you're a beast. Thank you. <laughs> no, no, it's like it's just like, and I hope anyone listening, whether you're an athlete or just or you know or not, just just to hear how even though it was tough, you know, even when there was moments where you probably like, man, this is this this is my life right now. But you you kept saying, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight through this. I'm gonna I'm gonna mm-hmm. be like the uncommon. You know, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be that one that's that showed you that it's all possible. Yeah. I always, I mean, also, I like to pump myself up sometimes in the mornings before chemo. I'd be like, you know what? I'm going through this because I can, because I have the mentality, I have the will, the strength to do this. And other people don't. So I'm the one who has to do it. And that's fine. Like, and then I'd go get chemo, like, juice me up. Like, (laughs) but um, yeah, I mean, things that are worth anything in life I truly believe like they're not going to be easy like and sometimes the hardest lessons are through like they they're the best things in your life you know like I feel like I've completely yeah like I feel like I've completely like changed and transformed emotionally physically mentally like from this journey you know like yeah my my perspective on life has completely changed i feel like for the better so what's next for you you know you just got done playing you know kind of like you're looking at maybe 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 like this life after so what's next for you kind of kind of end this a little bit well um i actually sell magic water um so during yeah cancer chemo i was left with horrible side effects um like i had neuropathy so bad that I couldn't even walk like without looking at my feet. Um, and I couldn't grab things without dropping them. Cause I just, I couldn't feel my hands or my feet. It was so bad. And they told me, 
I went to the doctor and I was like, yeah, something weird is going on. I don't know if it's from the chemotherapy, but I can't feel my hands and my feet. And my doctor was like, okay, um, it could be from the chemotherapy or it could be like you have like something where you're, where you sit down a lot and something in your neck or your spine, or you could have brain cancer. And he was like, I, I know that's extreme, but I just want to give you all the options. And I was like, that's perfect. That's why I love you. Like yeah. prepare me for the worst. And sorry. And um, so I go get my spine x-ray. There's nothing wrong there. I don't have brain cancer because it's not showing up in my results. So finally it was like, yeah, the chemotherapy did that. You're probably going to have to take medication for the rest of your life to deal with the symptoms, but we're not going to be able to like cure it. I was like, well, I'm going to do anything but take medicine anymore. Like after chemo, I just wanted to do a complete detox and get all of that out of my body because, you know, like you go through chemo and the first thing they tell you is just so you know, like this chemo could cause different cancer. And you're like, okay, uh, that's great. Mm -hmm. Like, because it stays in your bones or it stays in your body, you know, like four months of that, it's just, your body's just going to suck it all in. Right. So yeah, after I finished chemotherapy, I, um, reached out to a friend and I invested in my own Kangen water machine. And after a week of drinking it, all, all of my side effects, migraines, vertigo, um, fatigue, brain fog, everything was completely gone. And at that point, I was like, you know what? This is what I want to do. I'm going to sell these machines to people who are struggling with health issues, just like I was, um, that have no hope to heal or get better. Um, but it's also, I mean, it's literally everyone drinks water. So mm-hmm. it's not just for sick people. It's for the entire world. And that is where I'm at now. That is my goal so yeah i just like the whole time i was like i want to help people i want to help people how can i help people from what i've experienced how can i reach them like how can i help them like and that this like fell into my lap and i was like this is definitely how i can do it so yeah hearing your story just inspires me i know it's gonna inspire a lot of people too just to kind of like your article like like one of the the most read on, on the side because it just you don't hear enough stories like yours, you know, yeah. and, and we should because it, it's more than just volleyball. It's more than just, you know, the sport, but it's like how, how the sport helping us develop this mindset to overcome anything in your prime yeah. example of that. So, Well, thank you for saying that, no. but uh, yeah, you can definitely learn a lot from playing sports. That's for sure. And being on a team, yeah, it's crazy, but you don't realize how much you learn until afterward. And then you're like, I would not, like, maybe I would be completely different. Maybe I wouldn't have handled it this well if I didn't play sports, you know? I didn't go through all of those things before in my life, all of those surgeries. Like, if this was my first major setback, like, I don't know if I would have handled it as well, you know? So, yeah, it's definitely... That's just crazy. <laughs> All right, so last question for you. So where are you at? Social media, website, anything we kind of mentioned right now? Um, I did. So I wrote a blog during my cancer journey, but I actually stopped writing it because, like, spoiler alert, I kind of want to write a book. Um, I told you about that earlier. Also, if anyone steals that name, I'm coming for you. 
Uh, I know it's a good name, but try to think of your own. No one likes to copycat, but yeah. So I like kind of stopped writing my blog because I wanted to write a book, but I do have a website. It's called bold, bald, and beautiful.weebly.com. Um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, which I don't really tweet, but I should because I have a lot of funny things to say. Um, but yeah, I'm also I'm probably going to make a website of my own for fitness, health, and water purposes. So, but that's future. That's to come later. Awesome. Yeah. I'll, I'll bleep out the the book name so we'll, we'll keep it you know for, for, for no one my guy i got you fam i got you thank you i appreciate you <laughs> hey, no hey jennifer thank you so much for coming on like i i, I keep saying a lot but i'm glad i'm connected somehow like i'm glad it was that that dm you know and so much respect for what you're doing i don't believe in accidents i totally think this was like yeah set up perfectly so yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for reaching out. This has been Definitely. cool to share my story. Yo, thanks for listening to this episode of the Nine Point Started With a Dream podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please comment, share, leave a review. We would love to hear your thoughts. You can find more athlete-driven content at ninepoint.com. Till the next episode, you're only one opportunity away. Peace.